hello, hello, hello. <laughs> I, like, I am definitely, I am definitely getting used to an engineer and host. Okay. Um, that was very interesting. I was like, okay, wait, all right, all right. So we're gonna learn. We're gonna we're gonna get that down. You know, by episode um 14, 16. I'm a, right. I'm a beginning. What I'm have a, it? I'm a happy season. It'll be smooth. Exactly. It will be smoother. But it, I mean, it was cute. You know, like I feel like I need to show it again because I feel like people missed it. So if you come on late, go back to the beginning and watch our pre-show. And I'm going to keep saying that throughout the show because it was mad cute. And yeah, I mean, that's what we do, authentically her. Um, but <laughs> welcome tonight for our second. If y'all hear that, y'all just pray for my nose. Y'all just pray for all that's going on. It's not COVID, but it is very annoying. But welcome to Authentically Her, which is a podcast, a safe place. It's not just for women, so men can definitely listen and chime in. Um, in our conversation, one thing about me and Tam, we don't necessarily subscribe to the debate of men versus women. We kind of want solutions and answers so that we can um, coexist better in this here world, okay? You know, because, you know, we're not in competition with each other. But anyway, um, the reason why we call the show Authentically Her is because um, we were talking about all of the different changes and things that we go through in life that removes us from in my book, how God originally created each of one of us to be individually, you know, hurt, betrayal, ups and downs that you go through in life, sometimes leave you with scars and it change how you love, it change how you think. And so the whole reason of this podcast is so that we can talk about hard taboo conversations and that we can come together as a community so that we can go back to being authentic selves. So if you're a guy listening in, we want you to be authentically him. <laughs> Sam, did you want to give why you call it why your vote for authentically her uh yeah so my vote for authentically her was because first things first our group chats be great yes. um friendship wise they're amazing and we definitely thought it <laughs> We definitely thought it needed to come. Like, everybody needed to be a part of the group chat. So the first thing was everybody need to, needed to be as authentic with themselves as we are with each other. So we wanted to invite everybody else into what we are used to. Um, second, second uh, the reason I voted for Authentically Her was because in this age of... 30s getting close to 40s um you know you have to start being completely truthful with yourself and understanding yourself and getting to know yourself and you know being authentic with yourself in all areas of life love friendships parenting and just yourself by all together so that was like authentically her was just basically like that's it you know, one of the things, um, I know we set a schedule, but one of the things that I wanted to talk about, you know, a lot of times, me and you, we watch a lot of reality TV, like 
most women do. Um, we watch a lot of reality TV and, of course, a lot of things that's going on in pop culture and a lot of things that's trending that goes viral on social media. And a lot of times, you know, we think like, oh, that's fake, you know, reality TV, oh, that's not real. But the more that I watch, like, some of the arguments and some of the good moments and things like that happen, like, reality TV, even with the scripting, is real life. <laughs> like, is you know mm -hmm. it's very real and so we wanted to talk about um some of those things and if y'all are watching any of the shows let me tell you we're going to do a show where we just do commentary <laughs> one week but we are watching the housewives of dubai um i love i love this new franchise of the housewives i love um chanel i i what is it Ion or whatever, something like that. But I love Chanel. <laughs> I love Chanel's character. I don't know her last name. I just know Chanel. So she's a fan. I'm a fan favorite of hers. Um, the Shy has come back on. And let me just say this before we get into the show. I love... So I watched the trailer of The Shy. And... I, and I saw that it was supposed to be talking about the ups and downs and love and love and friendships, love in the community and love and relationships. I absolutely love um, the first episode because it showed um, it showed men in vulnerable states and it showed men communicate how they communicate. If that makes sense, like it it showed them vulnerable in their own language. You know, sometimes women we look for men to be vulnerable to be a certain level of vulnerable for us. You know, like we want you to be like, oh come, babe, tell me all of your soft your soft moments, right? Because that makes mm -hmm. us closer to the guy. You know, but I love that the guys were very much themselves, but they were very you know open, like with Emmett. You know, he was fighting for his family. But I think Emmett knew that his family was no longer the traditional sense of a family. But I think that because he was striving not to be that stereotypical family, he was trying to make something work. But he also showed that he was hurt. Right. And even in his hurt, he was still encouraging, you know, his friend who was, you know, in a relationship, you know, with a transgender woman. I think mm -hmm. I said that right. Yep. Um, he was teaching, he was telling him like, hey, go ahead, make it work. Let love do what it's supposed to do. And I appreciated that because a lot of times we think about the urban communities, we think that they're not supportive of the LGBTQI community. And here you have this show, The Shy, you know, talking about this and seeing it's encouraging and when I watch the shy I think about Baltimore like I really can connect with the shy because I really feel like the violence the moment mm -hmm. when the community come together um the politics the shadiness behind politics it reminds me of Baltimore what do you think about this week episode uh well first what you were saying about the shy and how they're talking about like the LGBTQ um plus community it's funny because we're also watching the pink and <laughs> um to see two different parts of that spectrum mm -hmm. being portrayed is is just great mm -hmm. but uh as far as the shy is concerned i love how it doesn't just give the stories of the women 
mm-hmm. because it can easily focus on each woman in each household, as we can say. Mm-hmm. But I love that we see just as much depth with the men as we do with the women, sometimes more, because mm-hmm. I feel like the story is more based around the men than the women, even though for the most part, all of the women on the show are the head of the household. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love to see the the part with Emmett and his father, like mm-hmm. with his father showing him how he knows how to be there for his son, even right. if it ain't the healthiest way by getting him drunk. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it was but still like to see where he went from being the deadbeat dad to mm-hmm. now being there for his son as an adult is good especially since he needs him probably the most now especially mm-hmm. since his mother is not necessarily able to be there for mm-hmm. him as much as she probably would have to be so yeah. it's definitely good to see that dynamic um but i can't wait to see what these kids gonna do because this situation with the kids Ooh. is Ooh. getting a little messy <laughs> but you know what friend you said something that was really good you said that the show really highlights what the men is going through and their issues. And although I am a woman, I do try to call myself <laughs> an advocate, you know, sometimes for what men go through because, you know, I grew up in a family where it's mainly men. You know, I've always had male best friends and different things like that. So I hear a lot of their struggles that most women don't hear and that will pass over. So I wrote a show called It's Still is Man's World. Come on, <laughs> like, come on here. Come on, plug. Like, I do got to go with a plug, okay? <laughs> I have a stage play coming up called It's Still a Man's World. Um, our VIP tickets are already sold out and the show is six months away. That lets you know how anticipated this show is. So do me a favor, go to Eventbrite. We'll put the... Um, we'll post the link and everything on this social media page, but go and buy your tickets for It's Still a Man's World. It's a great play, and it kind of captures some of the things that we were talking about. So that's that's kind of what we're watching right now. And of course, we're watching Housewives of Atlanta, um, Love in Huntsville. Maybe we'll do a commentary in the middle of the week, and then this be just the podcast show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe like we can go on for days for the show about the show. Because we won't ever get to the podcast if we talk about TV shows. Um, but let's talk about, um, yeah, Neil, you're going to be there because you're going to be working. <laughs> that part. Um, let's um, let's get into Ghetto America once again. And that's that's the only thing that I could you know really think about. Um, one of the things that we 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 notice um, that has happening with Omarion is that his career. Has been a little, <laughs> a little tacked on. <laughs> it's been a little tacked on. Um, we know Amarion is being always unbothered. Um, but let's talk about how being unbothered is actually a little problematic. And I want to say that this generation of people thinks that being unbothered or the cutoff, you know is the solution to everything. I'm not one that subscribes to everybody needs to be cut off. I don't subscribe to, you know, the whole thing of, you know, don't trust nobody and different things like that. I know things happen, but I, I endorse villages. I endorse friends. I have a great group of friends and a great village. Village. Oh, oh, see, see what I'm saying? Like 
Friends. Friends support friends. That's what they do. So, uh, so let's talk about being unbothered and how problematic it is to our community. Um, well, on both aspects, and I guess I want both are real life, but in real life, as far as like us regular people, and then with Omarion, him being unbothered seems like it was more about ignoring things and not mm-hmm. facing things head on versus mm-hmm. him facing them but not letting them uh kill him in on the inside and so we've seen that he just he just walks away from issues versus talking about them or um settling them because as we can see little comments that were made on the verses have now turned into big situations based upon just some comments he made but it struck a nerve with people who he did not have closure with mm-hmm. and so you know we all were you know we liked omarion he wasn't my favorite you know lofez was my favorite but um Let me just we say liked omarion b2k ain't had nothing on immature but go ahead i liked omarion <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't think he could sing at the time anyway. Okay. So to find out that he couldn't sing, he wasn't singing the leads and stuff like that. He portrayed himself to be this guy that he wasn't. And he pushed his other guys in the background and came out as unbothered. I don't let what they say, what they say bother me, but now it's like, no, yo, we got issues and we clearly haven't fit, completed the task at hand, but go ahead. You got what I'm saying? Uh, no, I was just going to say, um, I think the problem that I have with some people who are unbothered or who don't feel like they have to listen to every, everybody else, I think that they're problematic, one, because they have a certain level sometimes of arrogance. Right. And yep. sometimes, you know, very narcissistic. You know, it's the people who, like, they they do hurtful things, they do damaging things, they belittle people, and then they hide their hand. Like, so they come across like I'm in such a piece of myself and I'm okay, but you didn't already, you know, ruffle feathers and hurt mm-hmm. people and did all of this stuff behind the scene. And so now you make them look like they're bothered. You make them look like, Because they're know, the ones speaking out. Right, because they're speaking out. And I would just say, like, for myself, I'm a vocal, I'm a very vocal person, always been a vocal person, sometimes too vocal, maybe. But my issue I had growing up, shut up, my issue I had growing up was that, you know, people who came across as the quiet or the goody two-shoe kids were bullies, you know, and mean. And no, I'm not going to let it go. Like, when I was in elementary school, i never get it. Her name is Day. You know, she lied on me and she told the teacher that, you know, I was picking with her and she would do stuff in the class and then say that I did it. Now, mind you, I wasn't doing any of those things. I was just vocal. But because she was like a crybaby and different things like that, the teacher, you know, actually believed her. So when I got Mm. fed up and, you know, it was a bad situation because I blacked out in class and I beat her up. But. I black, but it was like, oh, you're this bad person. But it was like stuff that kept happening and happening and mm-hmm. happening. And then I blew up. And then it's like, oh, you're this toxic person or you're this bad child because you hit this girl. But it's like, no, she's been digging at me for a long time. And right. I snapped. Yeah, and that's that's what happens. People who are 
quiet for the most part in some situations where they probably should speak up sometimes don't realize the damage they're causing yeah. because when they finally do speak up it's not always great <laughs> yes Jessica she had it coming <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not always a great thing so you know somebody who you know you, you're having a disagreement with and they're just sitting there listening to you what you're not going to do is show the hand sanitizer every time you are home. I got to let the people know. If you choose not to wash your hands or at home, you the only person that got to worry about that. Okay. I want the people, you know, because people be like, oh, she was blowing her nose and was touching screen. Guess no, what? You home. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, you have an argument with somebody or disagreement and they're just quiet, not saying anything. That's that can be irritating because it's like, are you just ignoring me? Are you not listening? Do you do you not get what I'm saying? Mm. And then when two arguments later, that's when they decide to blow up, yeah, and say all of this stuff that has nothing to do with what we were talking about now because they were quiet or they didn't want to start anything. So it's like you do you still you being quiet doesn't always help. Sometimes. But that speaks to that speaks also to being dismissive. Yeah. Pe- people who are dismissive. Like, you know, I come to you and say, Tam, I don't like how you treated me in this moment. And you'd be like, Oh well, I'm unbothered. No, you're you're you know, you're my friend. You should address right. concern because you're in a friendship or you're in a relationship with a person and being dismissive or being sometimes you have to be unbothered i understand that in certain circumstances but if somebody is bringing something to you that you're supposed to care about that you're supposed to love like not acknowledging their what they have to say even if you don't agree with what they're saying you still should acknowledge it and i i said this the other day on social media that sometimes the perception that you have of yourself is not who you really are Sometimes people will say, well, you're condescending. You'll say, no, I'm not, because you personally don't feel that you're condescending. But everybody who deals with you says that you're condescending. Like, it's a possibility Mm -hmm. that you're very condescending, you know, when you speak to people. So sometimes people have to, I feel like, you know, at least acknowledge what a person is saying because you could be doing something and don't realize that you're doing it because, of how you grew up or your nature. Like, I know with me, my family, we are over talkers. <laughs> like, we over, we will over talk and we will talk. So, you know, for me, that's the culture of my family. I don't know that it's bothering anybody. You know what I mean? I don't know that, right. you know, being straight, you know, we, we straightforward, you know, but everybody didn't grow up with a straightforward family. So right. sometimes you have to let me know what I'm doing because I don't know that I'm hurting you or offending you. And see, I grew up same way with a straightforward family, but that I'm not a person to ignore situation. I'm not a person to be unbothered to where it's toxic, I guess, but Mm -hmm. I'm more of a, I'm the, I'm the sit in the back person. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times with my family, they would tell you how they felt right then and there, no matter Mm -hmm. what it was. And me, I would take it in and it wouldn't, I wouldn't blow up later, but it was just like, I don't want to be that person in the future. So I've been the one to be able to be like, this is not the time to say this. 
This mm -hmm. is not the moment to go off. This is not the moment to bring up someone's insecurities. This is not the moment to be in someone's face. Like I'm, I've learned how to read the room sometimes mm -hmm. because I've been in the room where people are just not reading it and mm -hmm. they don't realize how they're affecting you. Mm -hmm. I, um, go ahead. I, I, I have learned to read the room because I, and, and that's kind of like one of the things that we wanted to talk about tonight was um, families, how they create insecurities or complexes um, for us. You know, sometimes, yes. you know, saying certain things to us and don't realize it. Um, but I didn't read the room. I, I, I was, I guess, like, you know how your mama say, when you act out is when you get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you embarrass me, I'm, I'm sitting to embarrass you. Like, you know, like, that's how I used to be. You know, I had to mature, right. you know, and understand. I mean, a lot has changed now also because, you know, you know, I'm, you know, I preach and you don't want, you know, be like, you know, I would appreciate all your eggs in the donkey. You know what I mean? But I learned, you know, to, to handle things a little better. But I've also had to set boundaries with people because, like, listen, I don't care how much I love the Lord. Like, we're not going to do the disrespectful thing. And I think, like, with the complexes that sometimes families can give, I will say one of mine, I'll be transparent, is body imaging. You know, growing up, growing up, you know, in church, you know, everything was make sure you don't look this way. Make sure you don't look that way. Make sure you cover this. Make sure you cover that. And so I grew up thinking that I wasn't supposed to like what I had. You know what I mean? I, everything right. would. I didn't understand. Now, I understand having a certain level of being conservative, but everything was cover this up. Oh, yeah, and, and I'm curvy. So, you know, there are certain parts of my body you absolutely cannot hide, you know. But I went through so many changes, and there was been moments where I didn't even go to church because I'm like, I don't feel like it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like right. the oohs and the eyes. I don't feel like nobody talking about me. And I ain't about to look like nobody grandma, you know, like, just because, you know, I'm in church. And sometimes, you know, families give you those complexes. You know, or, yes. you know, how you go outside and be like, oh, you must have been outside this summer. Why? Oh, because you didn't got in black. Excuse me? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. not knowing what to say. What to say. Yeah. Like, oh, I did. <laughs> that was something that I learned um, probably around high school where I was called... Hey, cuz, um, I was called the white girl. Well, me and my sister, we were the white girls because mm -hmm. we lived in White Marsh. Like, we lived in the county, which ain't really white. But, right. <laughs> um, you know, uh, for a long time, we were called white girls because we didn't have the regular Baltimore accent or we pronounced certain words all the way versus some. And at first, of course, growing up, it was just like, oh, whatever. But then as I got older, I was like, that's not a compliment. Mm -hmm. Then to find out, you know, like now the kids growing up, all of, you know, all of the younger children, like my daughter's age 10, 11, they all have these, their, their accents aren't as strong as mm -hmm. their parents. So they have these proper accents or they moved out into the county. And it's mm -hmm. like, so it wasn't good for me to be out in the county for me right. to try to get out of the city 
but it's now good for you to try to get up out of the city and move out, you know, with or if, get your child a better education, even if you're still in the city, put them in a private school, put them in a mm-hmm. charter school. So it's like now being a white kid or white girl is okay. And your family shouldn't be the one to make you feel like who you are isn't okay. And then but a lot of that comes from a self-reflection. Like a lot of that comes from sometimes I'm not, you know, I'm not a su- subscriber of jealousy and hating, but sometimes that comes from a I have to bring you down because you have something that I probably would want. Like and and see, I don't think from like when it was said, I don't think it was that way. I just think it was like hey white girl like it wasn't mm-hmm. them portraying it as if like i want to be there mm-hmm. it was it was just like this is how you talk this is how i know this is these are the people i know that talk like that so that's what i'm gonna call you not mm-hmm. knowing what complexes that could put on people and then even with like weight your family is the first one to tell you you gained weight or lost weight Ooh. you can literally sometimes walk in the room and the they don't say hi bye kiss my butt they say <laughs> You getting fat? Oh, you mm-hmm. lost weight? Ooh, them pants ain't fitting. That shirt tight? That's the first thing they say. And it's like, hi, how are you? And a lot of the times, the people that say it, the people that notice you gain weight are the people that always had weight. <laughs> and it's like, stop noticing. You Do you notice yourself? When you walk in your room, do you look in the mirror and say, hey, you gained weight today. No, the one I hate is, do you have one a girdle? Well, if I had one on. <laughs> right. Thanks for telling me it don't look like it. I feel horrible. Right. And it, it's it's just crazy. Or, or, you know, me and my cousin, one of my closest cousins, we were called, um, you know, I'm lighter, she's darker. You know, that was always salt and pepper. You know, that was always a thing. And I'm like, why do y'all make this distinction? Now, as an adult, I'm like, that's not... Because ain't nothing wrong with her complexion. Ain't nothing wrong with mine. You know, Mm -hmm. so... But because you call one lighter or darker, sometimes you don't know what complex that gives the person. Now, my cousin is one of the most confident people I know. You can't tell her nothing. So, Mm -hmm. luckily, she grew up loving herself. But that Mm could have went the opposite way. And you know what? That's true because... Um, I had my sister, you know, she's very fair skin colored and growing up, you know, it was always, oh, she's so gorgeous. Oh, she's so pretty. Like, and we were little kids, you know, and we would go out and we were five years apart and she is gorgeous. She's absolutely gorgeous, you know, and they will make this whole big deal, you know, out, out of her. And then they'll be like, oh, she's pretty for a little brown baby or She's pretty for a little chocolate baby, you know? And funny thing is my sister will always defend me. I mean, she will be like, no, she's pretty because she's pretty. You know what I mean? Like, right. I hate that. Because she's my sister. But they will always, you know, feel that way. And even, you know, when you start to go through those phases of boys liking you, you know, at that age, it was, and that's, I think that that's sometimes the defining moment of the type of woman you're going to be because, that I think like that middle school and high school age is when you really as a girl start figuring out if you're going to change your image based off of what the boys like. Mm. And I feel like for me, I will say like I was a tomboy. 
that middle school year, one year, I, I never forget it. I wore some like little tight jeans or whatever. Couldn't tell me nothing, okay? And and the boys was like, oh, you know, like they saw me differently, you know what I mean? Right. And sometimes you have to be careful with that attention because you'll continue to be all of these things that people say that they like. And so you like, oh, so if I need to get attention, I need to do this. So I need to dress like this. So I need to alter these things. And you have to make sure as a woman that if you're changing something about yourself, you're doing it for yourself. Right. Um, because you, you know, and with women, we're never satisfied with anything. You know, if we're slender, we want to gain weight. If we were thicker, we want to lose weight. If we got short hair, we want long hair. You know what I mean? Like, we're never fully satisfied with those things. So we have to find that, back to the, the name of the show, that authenticness of ourselves where we say, I'm okay with changing certain things about myself that I don't like, but I'm not going to hate myself in the process of me becoming my authentic self. And sometimes you know, you got to strip yourself away from certain things to make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Like mm -hmm. the relationship that I'm in now, when I first started going out with the guy that I'm talking to, the first time we hung out, I didn't wear any makeup. I didn't wear any makeup. I didn't wear any, anything fancy because I wanted you to see that all parts of me you know what i mean like i'm not just the person mm -hmm. you see on social media i'm not just you know this professional pictures you know that shows up right. on you know my timeline like i have to love me when my eyebrows not right when my forehead you know it's shiny <laughs> you know you have to love your authentic self and you can't kind of get lost in that and sometimes families trying to be perfect for families and trying to fit in with the families and, and competition. Good God Almighty, if you come from a family where there's siblings and your parents got siblings, you know, who kids doing the right thing, who kids <laughs> not doing the right thing, you know, it, it really does create a lot of complexes and you'll wind up competing with your sister, your brother, or even your cousins, you know, yeah. trying to fit into these things. And, th and that's how a lot of family um, issues happen because they start comparing, you start comparing siblings and you start comparing cousins and uncles and aunts and who lives in the better, who lives better, who looks better, who talks better, who dresses better. When at the end of the day, do you love me for who I am? When I walk in the door, say, hey, Tam, I missed you. Not, mm -hmm. hey, Tam you can be like, it's just, you, you can, you know, especially if you don't have that conversation on the regular, my mom can come to me and tell me, Hey girl, you looking a little, you looking a little thicker, you know, but the cousin I ain't seen. What am I? True story. Oh, One of my cousins seen them. I'm not going to say it was a he or she, but I seen them at a family function and I haven't seen I hadn't seen them in at least a decade if not more last time they saw me I definitely didn't have children maybe even in high school so they saw me and they was like oh girl you way bigger than last time I saw you and I was like you think you look like you look last time I saw you <laughs> and he was like oh you oh stag I just said he but it's like <laughs> Oh, he was like, oh, you spicy. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I haven't seen you in forever. The first no, thing you say to me is, say. 
He he didn't know I had children. He didn't know anything. You didn't know if I had any type of disease. You didn't know anything. You but just the thing about it is, thing, but that's how that's how my family grew up. But the thing about it when it comes to weight, I, some people don't have weight just because of food. Like some people weight is their medication that they're on. You know, like some people weight is it's so many different things. Some people weight so many is, different things. came from depression. Some people are literally, you know, eating their way through depression, you know? And so now you then trigger and offset something. You know, I think that there is a healthy way to bring up, to have certain conversations. Like if I continue to bring up to you, like I want to lose weight, I want to lose weight, then by all means, let's have this conversation. Right. You know what I mean? Like It's still a way to approach me though. Yeah. Even, then, even in that moment. And it's a way to hold me accountable. You know, beating me down to make me accountable is, is if you never struggle with weight, you know, you have to be sensitive because you don't know what that feels like. And to me, I just feel like when it comes to certain things, especially weight, because that's something that I struggle with so I can speak on, people are not empathetic to what they don't know of. And I don't think that people understand, like, if you don't know what to say, don't say anything. You know, or, you know, just sit, it, you don't have to, like, for example, I don't have to lose a parent to know that that's probably like one of the most hurtful things to, to experience. You know what I mean? Like, right. sometimes you just put yourself in that those per, those people's shoes. Like, a person could be a crackhead. I don't know what it's like to be a crackhead, you know, but I can just be right. like, just stop doing it. But to a person who's addicted or a person who is struggling or a person who is totally dependent, you know, dependent on that, you know, and they don't know what their life is without it. It's not that it's just not that easy for them. Yeah, definitely. And you it's like, again, with the weight with the weight thing, because, of course, everybody who knows me knows I am definitely on the dicker side. Um, You don't know. No, I'm not going to say that. Anybody that's big, know they big. You ain't got to tell them. They know. Believe me. They When they put on their clothes and they don't fit no more, they know. When they walk up the steps and they out of breath, they know. You do not have to, like, know to everybody who is skinny. Fat people know they fat. You ain't got to tell them. They know. Believe me. Everything's, I be like, oh, I need to lose some weight. And even if I don't, I don't need you to tell me unless me and you, Chris, we have that relationship where mm-hmm. we can say, sis, getting low on, you know, you bigger than what Get you was. <laughs> right. And we don't take offense to it because we have had that agreement, sis. If if we if you see it, say it. But mm. to somebody who does not have that okay, especially if you are skinny, if you are under 200 pounds and you are when you go to the doctor, you average weight, shut up. <laughs> like, shut up. If I ask you for help, give it. If not, shut the up. Oh, oh, oh okay. Word for the day. Put that in your woman's law Bible. Um, but, um, did you have anything else to say about that? No, I, I think, you know, I, this is what I will say. I, I believe in a certain level of being real. You know what I mean? Like, I do believe that we should, when it comes to family, it comes to friends. I think that we should be able 
to keep each other accountable, but I, I don't think that we have to be brutal with honesty. You know what I mean? Like I believe that if you're if you're looking out for the well being of your family member or something like that, you know, for me, I will say like even though I am on the thicker side, you know, weight is something that makes me fearful of within my family within myself and even my friends because you know right. i know that weight can come with so many complications you know and because i love my family i love myself you know and i don't want us to not be here because we didn't take care of ourselves you know what i mean so i think that you can look out for people and and love you know and sometimes truth ain't no matter how you say it it's going to be some kind it's of not, but relationship matters in those exactly. moments yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I was going to go to, oh, I think this is really good. The, the apology thing. Um, do you think, <laughs> do you think that if you demand an apology that you should get it or do you need an apology to move on from a situation? I have been teetering with this situation, with this thought because I'm coming to realize like just because you were hurt by whatever I did or said does not mean I didn't mean it. Mm. And some people want an apology because they were hurt. And in that apology, they want you to basically say you didn't mean it. Mm -hmm. But my thing is if I meant it and I'm not changing what I said and I stand behind it, if I don't give you that apology, does that make or break our relationship? Whether it's spouse, friends, parents, siblings, like if, if, you know, we had an argument, we got a little disrespectful. I called you out your name. We, you know, I cussed you out and, you know, we were in a heated moment. If I meant everything I said, then I'm not apologizing because mm -hmm. I don't care that I hurt your feelings because in that moment I wanted to hurt your feelings. Whoa, my lord. <laughs> and you know, because you needed to get the point. Now, there is a line there where you just can't cross. But sometimes people take offense to things that are not offensive to other people, and then you want an apology. So I had to breathe on that. All right. So you know, for those of you who don't know, I'm a communication major. So I love the art of communication. Um, what I will say is that one of the things that I try to do with the children that I lead and in my life, and even it's funny because I try to have these comments, these, these new things with my mom. <laughs> and I believe in fighting fair. Mm. That Sometimes we get disrespectful and disagreements that we lose sight of what we're talking about. And so we, what we do is because we're not defending or standing up for what the real situation is, we begin to jab each other. And my thing is, if I'm mm. arguing with somebody, like if me and you having a disagreement, you know, or me and my mom having a disagreement, I don't need to call you a name. You know, like, right. to, you know, to, to defend me. Now, here's what I think that a lot of people get confused. Some people will say, I'll say, like, you're a lot, like, you're lying. And they're like, you call me a liar. You need to 
apologize. No, I'm not calling your name to hurt you. I'm calling the behavior or I'm calling out right. the actions that you And that's what I was talking about when I, I say yeah, call names, a, like calling yeah, a liar a, and things like it's that. It's a difference. Like yeah. if you are being narcissistic, then me saying that is not to hurt you or to disrespectful you, be disrespectful to you, but I'm calling out the behavior that's getting right. in the way of us coming to clarity. And I don't think that most people understand that if you're having a debate or a disagreement with somebody, the whole reason is to come to a conclusion. And right. you cannot come to a conclusion if you're going off track with all of the the different emotional stuff on the side or deflecting from the situation. Like bring like let's talk about this issue right here, you know, that we're discussing and let's let's stay focused on that because I think that sometimes we hurt our friendships and our relationships because when we have a disagreement, we go we go for the juggler. And honestly, right. I may forgive what you said, but I'll never forget how you made forget. me feel when you said it. Right. And it's after so many years that becomes, that pulls me further and further, you know, away from you, you know, and people don't realize that I can move on and we can act like we, you know, everything is, you know, Honolulu now, but I'll always remember in the back of my head, when I made you mad or when we was in a disagreement, you wanted to hurt me. Right. But but when it comes to the apologies, um, I don't say that I don't, I, I'm not going to say that I necessarily need apology, but I do want you to acknowledge at least where I'm coming from. Right. And that's why I say like sometimes it just may not cause for I'm sorry. Because that's what most people want to hear in an apology. Most people don't want to hear the apology of, you know what, I understand what you're saying, and okay, I'll fix it. Most people want to hear you say, I didn't mean what I said, I apologize. When you may have meant what you said, maybe you should have said it a different way, but that doesn't mean you deserve an apology. And for like um, the comment where it says an apology should be for the person and how they need and how they need it and not for what you feel you should give them sometimes as the person that's feelings were hurt you are not thinking about the person who hurt your feelings so the same way you are thinking you hurt my feelings i need an apology the person on the other end is saying i know i hurt your feelings but i'm not apologizing <laughs> you know so it's like you want something from them that they're willing not willing to give and clearly they wanted something from you that you're not willing to give, which is forgiveness for whatever happened. Like, let it go. They want you to let it go. Keep on going. Some people can't. Some people will dwell on waiting for an apology and not realize dwelling on that apology is hurting the person waiting for the apology more than it is for the person that they're waiting for the apology from. What I've learned is for me, when, and I try to do this, it's not, I'm not always successful in it and it's not always done back. But for me, when I hear that I offended or hurt a person or I realize that I did something wrong, I will try to apologize. Now, that person could have done something to me and I could feel like I owe apology. But I personally shouldn't have to wait for them to apologize to me to feel like I need to apologize to them because I acknowledge where I went wrong. And so... I'm responsible 
for my own self and my own actions. So I think sometimes people are not given apologies because they feel like, oh, they ain't going to apologize to me. I'm not apologizing to them. And in all situations, you could be a little right and you could be a little wrong. wrong. You know, yeah. like both parties could be right and wrong at the same time, same time. because yep. a lot of things are based on perspective. And it also goes to, are you listening to hear or are you listening to just to defend yourself? And I think that most people, and I say this all the time, most people are not comfortable with apologizing because most people are not comfortable with being wrong. Yeah. It's something about being accountable for your actions that goes back to childhood. You know, like if you right now, if your child drops something and you say, why would you do that? They're going, I ain't dropped that. I ain't do that. It's something about being called out that makes people feel uncomfortable. And so mm -hmm. apologizing, what that does is say, hey, I, I was wrong. And sometimes we have to realize that we're not superior. Sometimes we hurt people and people hurt us. And sometimes that is not intentional. But if you're going to be in a relationship or friendship with somebody, then sometimes you have to humble yourself, you know, and apologize for where you went wrong so that you can move forward in certain conversations. Because sometimes a person just needs to know, like, you acknowledge, you know, what you did, especially if I show it to you. Like, if I flat out lay it, lay it down, you know, and this has been stuff with people like, Chris, you did that. And I'm like, you know what? you got there that wasn't my intent <laughs> but i got how you got to that point so i apologize for the perception that it created um but that was not you know my intent my intent on how things have happened mm -hmm. so I, I definitely think that people have to learn to be more accountable for themselves but sometimes people are so busy trying to get other people to be accountable for their actions that they're not taking accountability for their own for their own actions. Like right. if you was wrong, just just freaking apologize. <laughs> like if but, especially if you know you're wrong, but that's the thing. Sometimes the people that are wrong really don't feel like they're wrong. Like they really be thinking, I ain't did nothing wrong. And no matter how you try to explain it to them, they really like, okay. We've seen it, especially on reality TV, like Candy. You can tell Candy she wrong on Housewives all day. Candy would be like, no, nah, I don't see it. <laughs> I'm not apologizing for it. I don't see it. So but that goes back to the talking part because when they were explaining to Candy where she went wrong in a situation, you know, she over-talked them. Over and yeah. never listened. She never right. listened to, you know, what Kenya was saying about how she felt in that moment. And the funny thing is, the viewers, all of the viewers... Okay, with Kenya. <laughs> they all agree. Um, and yeah, they agree. But you know what? That's why I be like, sometimes when I be in disagreements with people, sometimes I be like, I wish it was a camera rolling. You know, because <laughs> sometimes people are so bent on that. Listen, because people are so bent on that they're never wrong mm -hmm. and in their mind because they just refuse to hear what you're saying or whatever it can be. Sometimes they be like, I need a footage. You know, or I need like an unbiased person to help you see, you know, what it is that you're doing because what people Anybody who say that they're never wrong is problematic for me, period. Anybody they who, they're problematic for me. Anybody oh, yeah. who's never wrong, can never be accountable, who always has to deflect, you're problematic to me. Because to me, you don't care how your actions make other people feel. feel. Yeah. 
Definitely. Um, well, we got we got about 10 minutes left. So we got okay. one more topic. Um I was dreading it. <laughs> it's funny because I've been seeing posts like the last couple of hours saying if I hear anything else about this McDonald's baby daddy, I'm gonna go crazy. But it's like <laughs> it's it's a topic, it's a it's a conversation because if anybody hasn't seen it, there is a video going viral where this idiotic baby mama thinks that the daddy of one of her children should pay for food for all of the children, even if the ones that don't belong to him, because he's bringing food to his child. Now, if I'm playing devil's advocate for her, if I was the dad, knowing there were other children in the house, I would have taken the son to mm -hmm. McDonald's. Let you know, spend some time with him, let him eat, bring him back home. That's how you could fix the situation, right? But I feel like she the type to be like, no, you can't take him with you. You bring mm -hmm. him the food here. You can only get him when you're supposed to get him. Bring him some food and bring my other kids some food too, since you're gonna bring it. Like, I feel like she was that type of baby mother. And the fact that she kept saying, I'm gonna put you on blast, not realizing she was putting her idiocy on that ain't the word, but she was putting her idiocy on blast. In the word now, know, right? Um, it lets you know how. The, the mindset she has and it lets you know the type of baby daddy she got on the other side because that means them other baby daddies don't take care of their children and mm -hmm. she's waiting she the one that is taking care of his child she wants him to help her with those even though they're not together and i'm like at the end of the day he was doing he most likely talked to the baby said you want me to bring you something from mcdonald's baby said yeah when a father's talking to his child, he's not thinking about the other randoms. He's thinking about his baby. Because <laughs> that's what they are in this moment. They are the, they're random children. It's like Rich. when you go to the daycare. If you're bringing your baby, your child, you pick up your child from daycare and you got food. You're not saying, it's six other kids in the daycare. Let me get everybody food. You're like, look what mommy got you. Look what daddy got you. you you're not thinking about the other kids because they are not your priority. Now the problem is if she was smart, she because she knew he was going to McDonald's because she said something before he got out the car, you'd have cashed apps him some money and said, Hey, can you bring the other kids to McDonald's because I don't want them to feel bad? But her dusty butt ain't had no money to feed her mm -hmm. other children. Because I don't like mothers like that. Because you was putting him on blast and not realizing how dumb you look. And that met, that lets me know you do things like that all the time. And you're the type of mother that hold him, like you hold that baby away from him for mm -hmm. other reasons that make no sense. Yeah, that video pissed me off. So, <laughs> we titled this episode, first of all. <laughs> so, I'm going to break this whole scenario down. I really, I want to say I should have been a lawyer. Because, listen, I should have been a lawyer. Let me, let me break this case down for you, okay? First <laughs> of all, if you're watching this and you are a man, if you're a baby daddy, if you know a baby daddy, let me say this. I need more men to take legal actions and fight for their children. Ugh. I need more men to legally try to get full custody of their children when they can. And the reason why I say that is because, and I know my some women are gonna hate what I'm about to say, but it's if some random mother. You won't worry about it. 
it's some raggedy mothers out here. And because men, a lot of times, don't like to do confrontation, they don't want to deal with the courts, they don't want to deal with certain things, and they mm -hmm. always have, they already have this thing up that the courts is not going to give me my child, that they don't even put in a fight for their yeah. kids. I need men to understand that you can get custody of your children. Get you, you know, a good lawyer, look some stuff up, get custody of your kids and get them out of toxic environments. It's okay. You know, I, I, I cannot vouch for that enough. I know so many single fathers and so many <clears throat> fathers who are struggling with, trying to give their child something better because they have a negligent mother that's mm -hmm. getting in the way and because they don't have legal papers and different things and it, it's, so, it's so much you know yeah so, and they don't realize that they really yeah. don't realize it. they, like, don't, they so don't that that's first I, I just want to say that like spread the word fathers are, are definitely I, I will say that there are a lot of fathers who are doing an amazing job um as a sole custody parent for their kids the other thing is, this gives me that there is history here. There is history, like you said, of her feeling entitled to something because he's the father that answers the phone call. Now, mm -hmm. what this in this moment, you can teach the child how to share with the siblings. It is possible that he could have went to the Little Caesars and got two ten dollar five, you know, two five dollar pizzas for ten dollars. However, he's not obligated to do those things, and this is what people have to understand. We want to, all right, I'm gonna just go ahead and say it. We want to argue about men being trifling, but you're sleeping down with these men and you're having children not being ready to take because he was care trifling of for a while, yeah. So, <laughs> so. My thing is this, you should, when you have children as a father or as a mother, it is your responsibility that those children eat. And if your whole thing of all three of your kids was eating was on the finances of a man who did not father all of these children, and clearly that's not been the thing that he's always done, then you put yourself in a bad situation. You know, for me, call your mother. You know what I mean? Call your sister. Call your friend. Hey, sis, mm -hmm. can I borrow $20 until I get my food stamps or different things like that? But you want to make these kids his problem. And I really believe that he may have done that before. But the problem... Oh, he definitely people, did. That's why she was recording. Yeah. The problem that people have is ungrateful people never see their wrong. You go out of your way and do something nice for a person, and then they become entitled to your pockets. You don't know what that man finances is. We don't know if he got children with somebody else that he also has to feed. And if it's mm -hmm. that bad, pack his bags, take, let him go with his father, and go stay with his father, and he can eat his Mickey D's, and the other siblings won't even see that. And then a lot of people were talking about Oh, but what is that teaching the children? What is that teaching the kids that, that listen, this is the thing. In real Take life, daddy step up. That's what it's teaching. <laughs> but not only that, in real life, life ain't fair. 
we try to have this innocence to always make children feel like, oh, to children, da, da, da. no, real life, life sucks. Like, I hate to be the one to tell you, but life sucks sometimes. And so you have to teach your children, one, that if you have something, be open to give and to share, but you're not obligated to share all of the time. The other thing is, as the mother, you got to take responsibility and take that same energy and find them other guys who you know who fathered these children you know it's not fair that he has a good father but you want to penalize him for that you know for that and try to make it seem like because now she's really creating the war in the house yeah because she's because she's going to make the other siblings seem like well his father didn't want to feed us and you know and all these other kind of things and they wouldn't have known all of that he could have sat and ate in the car and would have been right. like you and, know what Sorry. and that's the thing if you were the parent who had sense, you'd have been like, look, you ain't bringing the other kids no food. So let him sit in the car with you, eat his food, then he can come back in the house. Because I don't want, you didn't bring the other kids any food, so I don't want them to sit around and not eat that. And that's what she should have done if she was so worried about the other kids not having the McDonald's and the one kid. Like, and sometimes you just have to think and be like, you know what, what is another way? Or, hey, I don't want this to look crazy with the other kids because you know the other fathers ain't really taking care of the other kids or the other fathers bring all the kids food, whatever the situation is. But whenever you getting him, the baby, some food, you just come get him, take him with you, and bring him back. Like, there's other ways you could still, he could take care of his child without letting the other children know that they are not getting the same thing. But mm. she is not clearly in the mindset of being a great mother to mm -hmm. be able, or a great co-parent, should I say, because I'm not going to say she's a bad mother, but a great mm -hmm. co-parent to be like, hey, this is the way we compromise and work this part out because of the other children. If you're not going to bring everybody something, because it's okay to feel that way, but it's how you express. And because she was recording before he walked up, it lets you know she was she felt entitled for him to buy, because it wouldn't have just been the kids, because she'd have been like, well, where's my food? Right. He needed to feed everybody. I think, I think we also have, I think it's also important to teach children that you're not going to have everything that somebody else has. Because in, in, when they become, a, I mean, when the Bible talks about it, you're supposed to train up a child in the way this should go. The reality of it is we're training children for the world. We're training children not to always be our kids, not to always be our little perfect little babies. We have to prepare children for the world. And in our house, you know, yes, they are our world. They are our everything. They are our babies. But in the everyday world, that world don't care about who your mama is. That world don't care about who your daddy is. You know, even mm -hmm. when you go to work, it could be somebody beside you. For whatever reason, they get all of the promotions and you don't. We have to learn how to teach people, especially children at a young age, that your sibling may have something that you don't have and not to put favoritism on it. He's not, he doesn't have what he has because of favoritism. He has what he has because he has a father that has stepped in and is doing his job as a father. And that's what you teach. And I think that if you were more appreciative of the other times that he did step in and look out for those kids, 
then maybe, you know, he wouldn't mind doing it. Or here's the other thing. If you know you have three children and sometimes you go and type meets, maybe you got to get a part-time job. Maybe, you know, like maybe you have to do other things to fill that void. But sometimes you're not going to have the same thing as your siblings. Just like, you know, I mean, you have talked about this before. Um, when one child's birthday is coming up, that doesn't mean that the other child get a gift. It's not, about, you know, like it's not always, it's not always about you. You know, like we have to teach children individuality. And even though they're, they're siblings, they're not going to always get the same things in the world. And that's, I mean, that's just, that's life. It's harsh, but that's, that's the real world. That's just yeah. how it is. And I'm definitely, the, <laughs> I don't remember, I can't remember which grandparents started, but one of the grandparents started, whether, I don't know, I don't think it was my mother. I think it was my father, God rest his soul, um, started with giving, because it was the birthday of one, it was like, well, and then the great grandparents did it as well. It was like, oh, well, it's his birthday. I'm going to give him $20, but I'm going to give her 10 and <laughs> my mom said it wasn't me. Uh, that's what I, said. I don't think it was her. I think it was my father. But it seemed like everybody else followed suit. She was a part of it sometimes, though. But now we're in the phase where we're like, no, it's not your birthday. You get nothing but to go along the ride. And you mm -hmm. may not even be able to do that. You may have to go somewhere else. But teaching them because me and my sister didn't get everything at the same time. My little brothers and my sisters, because they're closer to age, didn't get everything at the same time. You sometimes got to realize that you are not going to get what the other one gets. Mm -hmm. Even if you are close in age, mm -hmm. you make like Neil said on Christmas, sometimes one child may get five toys. One may mm -hmm. get six. That's it. And I think we have, we have to teach, we have to teach siblings how to celebrate each other. Each other, yeah. Without making it about them. And I know, like, sometimes, because I'm the baby in my situation, sometimes, you know, when it is the baby, you know, everybody, oh, it's the baby. And you do so much of babying the baby that you don't celebrate the other siblings or you take everything away from the other children and now they don't have the attention that they need or they don't have the celebratory moment that they have because everything is made about the baby. The baby wants, the baby throws a tantrum and here you go, you know, whatever the case may be. Oh, well, this is not fair that they get this. It's not, it, like, and I tell my kids, and Tamara, you see me with children, I'm hard on them because I want them to realize that everybody, even though I spoil them, everybody's not going to give you what you want. Just because you have mm -hmm. a tantrum and you say, I want this, that doesn't mean you're obligated to get in, get something. And just because I do for one kid and take one kid out to dinner, that doesn't mean that I always have to take you when I take them. You know, because I think that that teaches them, you know, one, to learn how to celebrate others. And the other thing is that when life hits them and when they don't get their way, they can better manage disappointment. But if you're always telling your child yes, or you're always allowing them to get their way, or if you, you don't create boundaries with these school children, you know, it, it creates, later it creates monsters. And, and it's it, hard. It's yeah. very hard. Some parents do it because they're like, I remember being told no so many times mm -hmm. that I don't want to do that to my child. So they wind up telling their child yes all the time. Mm -hmm. And that breeds another monster. So mm -hmm. it's like you got to have that healthy balance. 
really the whole all of that. <laughs> Girl, come on. <laughs> um, two sentences max. So you know, but um, you know, that's it's just something you have to you know be able to. <laughs> it's just something you have to be able to um to deal with and be able to uh, compromise with. So, you know, you just have to learn like, okay, the healthy balance between me telling my child, yes, you can have this, but no, you can't have that. Mm -hmm. Or yes, you can have this today, but no, you can't have it next week. It could be the same thing, but some parents have that yes bug where they're just like, I remember when I was told no and how it made me feel when I was a child. I never want my child to feel that way. Not realizing they are breeding a spoiled monster. And they never you know. I, I was telling um I was telling a friend yesterday how and it's funny because I still hang this over my my parents' head to this day at 36. Um my parents, I didn't really ask for a lot or whatever growing up, um, toys wise, but I remember growing up and it was two things. And they asked me one year, like, what I wanted for Christmas. And I was like, I want a my size Barbie, you know. And they told me I wanted a my size Barbie one year, and I wanted uh, um, the little Power Wheels. They told me no. And the thing was, it wasn't that we couldn't afford it. It wasn't that it was going to be, you know, if they the only reason they didn't give it is because they wanted to teach me that I couldn't have everything that I asked for. But the crazy thing was, you asked me what I wanted for Christmas, you asked me what I wanted for birthday, and I told you what I wanted, and I never got my power wheel, so they owe me a car, and I never got my my size Barbie. So, you know, they still owe me those things. But I will say that it taught me that, I don't get everything that I want. You know what I mean? And I remember them saying, like, if you want it, work for it. So what did I get? Me being me, it's probably why I'm a hustler now. I, t I bought a bag of balloons from the dollar store that they gave me. And I was selling balloons at my church for 50 cents. <laughs> to raise the money. <laughs> to get the stuff that I wanted. And I mean, of course, the people knew like it's no way that you're gonna get what She's you want. Raise the money, but, right? But it was a, it was just a, my, my mindset went into if you want something, work for it. You know, get it. And and I'm gonna leave with this because I know we over our time. Sometimes when it comes to rejection, we have to be okay with disappointment and rejection because disappointment and rejection makes us better. Too many times. And I guess this would just be my my woman's law for the for the night, and then you could do yours. Um, mm. so for those who are watching, every episode we're gonna leave you with a law to live by, and you add it into your book. Um, and my law is allow disappointment and rejection to make you better. A lot of times we get stuck at oh my god, somebody told me no, or oh I didn't get the job, or oh I didn't make the cut, and it it. And it paralyzes us to try again and it makes us you know depressed or different things like that but what happens is that sometimes your good ain't good enough sometimes you got to go back to the drawing board and look at the effort that you put into it and do better use that rejection use that disappointment use all of those things to reevaluate what you was putting forward and try again rejection 
and disappointment is not defeat. It's not, you're never going to win. You're never going to get it. No, sometimes you got to try harder because sometimes you're not really putting forth your best effort. And sometimes that no will be a reminder that there's more in you. There's more creativity in you. There's more thoughts into you. If you're writing a book, there's more words that you, you didn't put in that first book, you know? So I just think that sometimes we have to be okay with disappointment and rejection because it's a part of life. Life is not all the oohs and the ahs and the goods. Sometimes it, we will be rejected and disappointed. And sometimes it's valid. And sometimes we have to look at that and help it, let it help us to be better. What's your long um, team? Well, before I get there, let me just quick real story real quick. Based, um, a Christmas yeah, story. <laughs> quick Christmas story. Kind of not similar to yours, but similar. Um, this is when I learned, stop being selfish. Um, for a very long time, uh, my mother, <laughs> for a very long time, I got everything for Christmas that I ever asked for, ever wanted. It was never a question or a doubt because I was the only child. Um, up until I was 11, I was the only child, and it was the best time of my life. And, <laughs> and um, uh, but I had a stepbrother, but he was Jehovah's Witness, so he did not celebrate Christmas. And one year, my mom and my stepdad at the time, which is my sister's father, decided we're going to get your brother, your stepbrother, some things for Christmas. And I had a fit because that meant they had to take away from what I would get <laughs> to get him stuff. <laughs> and I was like, we don't even celebrate. Like, it's not fair. <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, but it was, I was, when I tell you, I, it hurt my soul because I just was like, I can't believe y'all going to take away from me to give to him. And, you know, it, <laughs> it's just not fair. But now, of course, as an adult, I understand what they were doing because mm -hmm. he was feeling left out. You know, he come mm -hmm. over the house and I got all these toys and he didn't. So it was like, let's make him feel like he's a part of the family or whatever. Mm -hmm. But as a child, that didn't click. But right. um, it clicks now. But um, my law is listen to understand and not to respond. Mm -hmm. Um, especially as parents, we are quick to, and I'm I'm going off this not based off everything we talked about today, but about a video that went viral about a young lady talking about how her parents don't listen and things like mm -hmm. that. Um, parents, we sometimes because we're the parent, we hear the child, but we're not taking in what they're saying. We're like, we're superior. We don't care what you say. Because what I say goes. And sometimes mm. you just have to listen to your children. And in moments where they're frustrated or moments where they are, um, you know, trying to give you their point of view, sometimes you just need to sit back and listen to them and take it in and come back another day and be like, all right, well, this is how I see what you said. And I understand what you said. So this is how, as a parent, I will do better. As a parent, we are not always right just because we yeah. are the parent. We are wrong because we are human, and so we are not perfect. And you cannot think you're an imperfect human, but you're a perfect parent. That's just impossible. So, you know, that's my law. Listen to understand, as parents, listen to understand and not to respond. 
All right, that wraps up our show. We went over a little bit, but thank you guys for tuning in. Um, those who are still on, make sure that you are with us next Wednesday for Authentically Her. Again, um, I am doing a stage play called It's Still a Man's World in November. Make sure that you go and buy your tickets on Eventbrite. Also, if you are looking for a church home, this Saturday, meet me and worship at Powerhouse Baltimore City. Um, it's in Catonsville. It's a it's a great ministry to come out and enjoy yourself, get a good word, get a good worship. It's early Saturday. You'll be out by 12 o'clock. Um, so make sure you go ahead and do it. And make sure you go ahead and follow the church page, um, Powerhouse Baltimore City. Um, and Pastor- um, make sure y'all go Saturday because Pastor Neil is going to do the Ray J dance across the floor <laughs> if you don't hold if you don't do it y'all gotta hold them accountable okay you need to go across the floor <laughs> and make sure you go follow um um powerhouse Baltimore city now because pastor Neil's actually get ready to do a bible study so we didn't cut up so go get your word for the night and enjoy you and enjoy your time and until next time we love you be your authentic self this is tam and chris signing out of authentically Hair.